Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Post here with Jeff Bosher and Susie Hunter. And what a week it's been. Some ups, some downs for the Phillies and a lot going on in Major League Baseball this week. How about that, Jeff? Uh, Frank, the Phillies don't have ups and downs, right? They have like the highest peaks and the lowest valleys. They are, I mean, man, they are, they are the most like schizophrenic acid trip inducing above 500 team that I've ever had to watch in my life. And, you know, there are so many games where something, they're a folly, right? Like when they, when you have the uh, argument between Segura and Girardi that we'll talk about, and then they come back with a huge win and then they're flat the next night. And yet they're just, they're not bad enough to totally just completely rule them out because I think they still have the most wins in the national league East, which is a low bar, but nonetheless is significant. So I honestly don't know what to make of this team. I am just, I'd almost them rather than be terrible so I can accept it or great. So I can accept it. Then whatever it is that they're pretending to be right now, because it's, it's mind numbing. (laughs) So the Phillies give you that Sunday clunker. I'm on a couch by the way, with my feet up and there's a a person (laughs) here with a notebook writing down what I'm saying. (laughs) I I don't know what's going on. So they get this clunker on Sunday that just chase Anderson, giving you four outs, you know, your number five starter gives you four outs and Phillies kind of claw back ish uh, still fall short get a much-needed day off on Monday. And then Tuesday, all of a sudden, the floodgates open. Now, I think it was Susie's doing because uh, she was caught on camera doing a little dancing right before everything happened. So, Susie, what was the key to, to Tuesday? You know, everyone says it's the – everyone keeps saying it's, you know, the fans on the field that kind of energize the crowd, that energize the team. But I was on NBC Sports dancing like no one was watching because I didn't know anyone was. Um, <laughs> and it was fantastic. Sure I, got, didn't. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Like, I was literally just vibing in my seat, having a good time. I'm like, all right, like game's not going as well as I want it to, but it's fine. Like I was there with my family. Um, and then all of a sudden I get all these texts and it's like, Hey, like I just saw you on TV. The funny thing is, so one of my friends, a girl that I haven't talked to in years, she lives in California. She's the one who sent me a video of myself dancing on NBC sports. And I'm like, wait, why are you watching the Phillies game? Like you're from LA. She's dating the sister of bamboo bread (laughs) what a small world i was like excuse me i'm like we really do need to catch up i have no idea what's going on in your life (laughs) (laughs) so i mean for those who don't know frank obviously Susie was a tv reporter in connecticut for a long time so she's very accustomed to being on tv so the fact that she would and i'm using quotation marks for those listening (laughs) end up on nbc sports philly quote randomly dancing (laughs) is just Amazing, right? At at your Twitter account is at the Susie Hunter, I believe, right? Yes, it and is. Same thing for for IG for for people who haven't seen this. So consistent. I, my brand is consistent, but yeah, it was yes. pretty fun. So I've been joking. You know, people keep messaging me. They're like, Susie, what's your new job? I'm like, don't worry, guys. I'm back on TV. I was dancing on NBC Sports Philly. It's a huge <laughs> deal. My Philly TV debut. Um, <laughs> loved every second of it. <laughs> but but Frank, isn't that game right there? And like that whole. Serious, Frank and Susie, right? So they have this blow up in the dugout, which is like, honestly, we probably should have seen it coming a mile away. Joe Girardi is a very intense guy. 
His team's making errors left and right. He's not exactly been a model of great managing either. Um, they have this blowout, and they're not going to talk about that. I think people want more, but no, no baseball team. I've, I mean, the Mets made up a story about a raccoon and a rat to avoid talking <laughs> about their own um, clubhouse fight, right? And then then they come back at the game Susie's at. And you think about all the great things that happened, the, the at-bat by, you know, Hoskins doubled and the the long at bat by Knapp who comes back from 0-2 uh, to get the big hit. Um, and then who, I'm sorry, uh, it was Torres who got the Torres big hit. Torres got right. the big hit. Yeah. Torres got the big hit. Uh, everything went right in that inning. Harper comes back up and, and smashes a double. And then the next night they come out flat. And that's just like why I say, I wish this team would just pick one side of the fence so I can accept it for what it is. Cause I feel like, and you guys, I'll ask you guys this. I'm at the point where, I feel like some things you can expect to get better. Like th- they have been so lousy defensively. That's surprising. The Segura is not normally a bad second baseman. I think he made no errors at second base last year. Yeah, right? He had quite the uh, errorless streak going before these exactly. last couple. Exactly. I mean, they shouldn't be this bad defensively. And offensively, I feel like what we saw last year was pretty good offense. Like they shouldn't be this bad offensively. I don't think they'll ever be great in the bullpen with this personnel. And I think the back end of the rotation is always going to be a little bit of a question mark. And I'm not ready to say Vinny V is like the new Vinny V that we've seen. Right. So, but at some point there, there, there are some reasonable expectations where they can be better where they've been awful this year, but I still don't know how good they can be now that I've seen them for X amount of games here. It was a 40, 45 games. Well, let's talk about Sunday for a second. Right. So what, what really did the Phillies in on Sunday was the defense, as you said. Now, you've got two middle infielders playing left field and right field. Right. Because uh, Scott Kingery's in right and left. You have Brad Miller. And of right. course, Kingery ends up getting concussed because he doesn't know how to play the outfield. But um, but that that Segura play, you know, I think why it really made Joe Girardi upset they kind of noticed he was he was almost like he wanted to let the ball drop to try to have some like mm-hmm. cute double play thing going on. Yes. And he ended up with nothing. Like if you if, if you just take away the misplays at second base in that game and the corner outfield, like they, there's the difference in the game. Like the Phillies win that game. Right. Yep. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the fact that the fact that it was just Segura on top of the people playing all out of position. And I, I think that is the reason why you get upset with Gene Segura that he was trying to sort of, I don't want to say hot dog showboat, right? I mean, I, I think you can accept. Yeah. I think you can accept the physical errors when Brad Miller's in left field and Scott Kingery's in right field. And you mm-hmm. knew that you had no bench. So I, I feel like, I feel like that's why um, Joe Girardi basically said to Segura, like, listen, buddy, you're the one who can actually play the damn field. So do it. <laughs> Which, yeah, wasn't, you, that, said, wasn't that trip, by the way, to Dunedin and um, Tampa, Frank? Wasn't that among your, uh, oh, they're going to feel so right at home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they did the going first down game. down to Clearwater. Yeah, I know, right? They did the first game. I thought maybe you were onto something. Uh, and, and then Segura, what happened? I know, right? Segura did try to try to talk about the field there. And maybe I looked at this. The, the Blue Jays are not among the, the team overall leaders and errors, but Bo Bichette is. So he's either a butcher or the field really is that bad, or it's a little bit of both. But in this situation you're talking about, Frank, it, that the field was not the issue there. It was the trying to, do, and look, you can call it pressing. They're, they're winning, they're losing, they're having problems with the field. Maybe he's just trying to be too much. But at that point, a veteran like Gene's got to know, let me, just, let me just make the play that's available to be made and not try to get too cute at that time. 
Yeah. <laughs> with with all these parts, let's talk for a second then about all the players that that weren't playing, right? So you, you have JT Real Muto, Didi Gregorius, Bryce Harper, right? I mean, the, the fact that Harper had to come into that game and play the outfield, like you were this close to seeing Vince Velasquez in the outfield rare. So so I think the circumstances made all the difference on that particular day. Now, the Phillies finally, I say finally, because I mean they had to do it with somebody, but Didi Gregorius, they put him on the injured list. I mean, it's one of those things, these day-to-day injuries, at some point you just got to bite the bullet and put somebody on the injured list so you have some able bodies on your roster and, and it paid off with Ronald Torres, you know, having a really nice at bat. And um, he's somebody I didn't, I thought that might not make it back actually, to be honest with you, because of the way Maton was playing and, but uh, you know, carrying the extra catcher and <laughs> Andrew not getting scratched at the last minute on Sunday, but by the way, Susie, I don't know if you're watching, but, but you're thinking, Oh man, the Phillies have no wiggle room. They only have uh, Raphael Marchand. But what do you know? He walks up to bat. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody seemed to know that that was going to happen, but oh man, what a, what a, just, it, it just felt like that day was just meant to be disaster. Right, Susie? Yeah. And also, you know, Chase Anderson never gave the Phillies a shot either in all of this, literally no bench. Um, just, I mean, a disaster from start to finish. But Tuesday, so where, where so, are you guys? Oh, sorry. Are we talking about Tuesday? Now? I'm talking about Sunday, but, but Tuesday, Tuesday, we, we, we finally saw them do some things, right? So, so oh, I think that's say with such a treat, <laughs> you know, but, but it seems like the ups and downs where they were like, Oh, for six with runners in scoring position. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. So like, it, it, let me ask you this, Jeff, does the fact that you had a seven run inning, does at least give the team some confidence that they can pull out of anything? Well, I was kind of hoping, you know, I referenced the whole Met, you know, fiasco with, with them having a fight in the clubhouse and then saying, to the media it was just a rat or raccoon they were arguing about and then i think they went and won seven in a row right after that very very soon after that which which happens in sports a lot you know a team blows up and it's really not the blow up right it's the it's the law of averages you hit rock bottom which certainly that sunday game for the for the phillies was and then you kind of naturally start to blossom from there i was hoping that would be the case for the phillies when they rallied and scored those runs. And yeah, Frank, there are, there are certain things that are, that are starting to happen now that weren't before like Andrew McCutcheon hitting, right. Starting to see that. Um, but then to be flat the next night against Toronto, you know, I, I don't know. You know, obviously we got some, we got a series coming up here. Uh, I forget who they're, they're about to start playing. I think it's the, um, uh, not, not Toronto. I mean the Marlins, by the way, um, they, they got to play the Red Sox who are a really good team right. and go back and play Miami for four games, that's, that's going to be tough because the Red Sox have been good this year, but then you have that raise after that. Like, I, I just, I feel like this is just going to be a one step forward, two steps back kind of team for a while until they figure some certain things out. If here's the they thing. Can figure so those things out. When you look at the national league East, they're, they're all kind of like that. Now, after the Phillies beat the Marlins the other day, well, yesterday, excuse me. So we're recording on Thursday. So it was Tuesday, excuse me. No team in the National League East had a positive run differential. That's like amazing. so, so this this has got to tell you that that this division is is very much up for grabs. And you know, for all the injuries that the Phillies have, if you look up and down the National League East, every single team has lost a starting pitcher to injury in the last week, except for the Phillies, and they just lose their starting pitching because they're not good enough, right? I mean, it's, but but uh, you know, watching 
watching Taiwan Walker now go down for the Mets, right? And then the Braves, you know, it's just they've they've been dealt blow after blow. Michael Anella, my gosh, he just punched, he literally punched, punched his way onto the injured list, broke his I hand. His name like, was Oscar or Huascar. Did you say Michael? Uh, oh, Michael. The Michael was the guy that was in camp with the Phillies. I <laughs> see I do this all the time. That's okay. I but just yeah. thought maybe he changed his name and I was out, of, you know, this week because he was so embarrassed by breaking his hand, punching, punching his own dugout. That he figured he'd change his name and nobody would notice. But but really, who's who's worse? I mean, you, you look at the National League East. I mean, the Braves, I mean, that the, the starting pitching was supposed to be their strength. And then right now you have healthy Ian Anderson. Max Fried's been meh. And then you've had Charlie Morton, who's who's showing his age a little bit. Drew Smiley, like I like their that closer that, stinks. That doesn't like had trouble too. Yeah. This makes you feel like this national league East is, is nobody is going to pull out. I mean, the Mets lose Taiwan Walker's looked really good. He's on the IL. So like, you know, I, I just see this national league East though, is, is something which somebody has got to do something to pull away from the pack. Uh, you take this one, Susie. I'm, I have mixed emotions on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who is going to be the one to pull away from the pack? Cause yeah, this was, the division that everyone had such high hopes about and everyone really should have been wrapped in bubble wrap. Everyone's hurt. <laughs> it's just, it's brutal. But yeah, I, but I can if, I, if I like, if I put a gun to both of your heads, right. So I'll start with you, Susie. If I put a gun to your head and said, you have to tell me who the winner of this division is going to be, you would say who? I would say the Braves. I would too. I would absolutely. Because when you're looking here, Frank, and I'll ask you in a second, same thing. I'll just rationalize it myself. When you're looking about, all these teams have started slow. They've all had injuries. But if you're going to hang your hat on a team because of its overall talent, right, you would probably say the Braves. I mean, I, they, they do have back-end issues that, of their bullpen that I think are going to plague them no matter what. But they have Acuna, they have Albies, they have Freeman, they have Anderson, and they have Freed. We'll see what happens if Soroka uh, can come back and help them. He's not this year. He's, no, he's not. He's, no, so totally he's out. out. Oh, I thought he, there was a chance. Either way. They seem to have, and plus last year, I think they started off slow, same with Nationals, and kind of picked up as the summer went along. So I can see them rising to the top more. But who would you, if I put a gun to your head, Frank, and said, tell me the team that, that and you have to be right or else I'm pulling this trigger. God, why do I have to be so violent in my analogy? I'm sorry. <laughs> you okay? really made you violent. If I had a sledgehammer, Frank, and your head is a bit right there on my table. No, but who would you pick? <laughs> I, I, I might have to go Mets, right? I, but I, but I don't feel confident about that. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I feel like, I feel why? like, like what, what, I'm curious. Yeah. Why would you pick the Mets? Because when it comes time to add players, I think they're going to add players. Like, I, mm. I, I think there's, I think there's an open checkbook right there that they're going to be able to, to, to flex their financial muscles and do whatever it takes to, to just, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, the, you don't really know what's going to be available at the trade deadline, but the Phillies are like so close to the, the luxury tax. I don't, I just, I just don't know if they're willing to trade prospects and I don't know if they're willing to take on money, which basically means at the trade deadline, you're not getting much. That's true. I think you could also make an argument, Frank, uh, in your favor here that if I were to look into the crystal ball and say, do I really think Michael Conforto in August is going to be hitting 203? Do I really think Francisco Lindor in August is going to be batting like 180 or whatever he is? Or, you know, do I really think uh, you look at some of the Dominic Smith is going to have like seven RBIs by, by the middle of August? No, I don't. They have players who are underperforming that you would imagine will regress back to the or progress in this case, back to the mean. I wonder with the Phillies, 
who is underperforming so much that you're thinking like Bryce Harper's having a pretty good year. Maton's coming. If anything, he's going to probably regress back to the mean. I hope not, but I mean, that's what you would naturally expect. McCutcheon's already started to pick it back up. Um, you know, bomb. There you go. Alec, uh, Alec Bohm, right? He's a guy who I think is having really good at bats, even when he gets out. Uh, I do know him. Yes, he strikes out, but he does put the ball in play fairly. I, I can see him performing a little bit better, but I don't know if there's anybody else. I don't know that the four and five starters and Vince Velasquez are all of a sudden going to be, I don't know that Vince is going to keep up what he's doing. In fact, I'm positive he's not. And I'm not sure that Anderson and Moore, who's now a, a reliever are going to come back and claim those spots and be, give you a good back end of the rotation. You really feel like the Phillies are just kind of like throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks at the moment. Like just, just, it seems like there's no plan. Right. So, but, but here, here is something that's worth bringing up. The Phillies have converted Spencer Howard into a starter. He's taking his turn when Chase Anderson takes his turn. If they're going to limit his innings and he's not giving up any runs at AAA, Susie, don't you just bring the guy up if you uses limited innings in the major leagues? I mean, I think anything's better than Anderson. So yeah. <laughs> and then, but then here's the, here's the problem too. Like if, if your rotation now has Vince Velasquez and it has Spencer Howard, so then you have to put Anderson and more in the bullpen, right? I mean, you're, you're not going to cut either one of them with what you're paying them. I assume um, then, then you got to start figuring out how the bullpen's going to shape up. I mean, Ranger Suarez has looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's actually given the Phillies some quality innings, which is a big bonus. Um, they're, they're going to lose Jojo Romero to Tommy John. So you're not going to see him for a while. Uh, so, but, but still there's, there's not a whole lot of, with, with the return of Archie Bradley, there's not a whole lot of room in the bullpen to keep dumping your, your starters. Right. So, um, you can only have so many long men. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, How many mop I mean, up guys, although with the Phillies, <laughs> seems like mop up guys are in every three days, but, um, I, I agree of, with you. Speaking of that, is, is there room for David Hale in this roster anymore? I mean, he's, he's, he's got to be the productive. one, like they, they need the yeah. 40 man spot because Adam Hastley is on his way back. Right. Uh, they, they did get one 40 man spot from Romero's uh, 60 day injured list uh, status. So they got one back. They need one for Adam Hastley in the very near future. So uh, Hastley working out at uh, Clearwater right now, just uh, about to take a uh, sort of a, he'll get his rehab stint in. Right. So uh, then they got Adam a nice- back in the roster comeback story if Hazley could rejoin this team and see center field. And I'm not asking him to be like, you know, 295, 340, 20 home right. Just, just play solid steady. He's a good center fielder defensively. Just play the position. Give me like 270 with a 325 on base percentage. And I think I might be happy with that at this point. Yes. Yeah, so really the future future in the outfield seems a little interesting too. I mean, with, with Quinn on the IL, he should be coming back soon. He just, he just cut his finger. Uh, Matt Joyce is probably ready for a rehab assignment if he's going to have one. So the, all of a sudden they're starting to get healthy. It sounds like uh, Gregorius, they, they still don't know what's up with that, but uh, we're going to see some actual roster crunch probably in the next couple of weeks. So the Phillies will have some interesting decisions to make. I think, I think David Hale is going to be the casualty there as you move forward. Now, now, what do you do then though with, with Spencer Howard, if you bring him up, how, 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 like, what's your plan? Like if you're really, if you're really trying to limit his innings, are you just trying to buy time till you get somebody at the trade deadline? Or are you, are you, that's, that's, that's my problem with this whole thing. Like it does, he have enough innings in him according to your self-imposed innings limit that he'll be able to finish out the year. 
That's a great question. I would almost, I mean, you know, what the Padres are doing with Denilson Lamette right now is really interesting. And I don't know how that, how long that's going to continue, but they've thrown him in there as a reliever. They've made him the, the Rays style starter of just two innings as they, now they're working him back from an injury. So that's a little bit different, but when you're talking about limiting a guy's innings, do you kind of, you just asked, what do we do with Matt Moore and Anderson, right? Well, do you kind of do a piggyback style of, of fourth and fifth start where when he starts Spencer Howard, you haven't penciled in for four or five. And then you've got, you hope to get three out of one of those two guys, you know, as, as the, the bottom end of a piggyback. My problem, my problem with that though, is you've basically just wasted a spot in the bullpen. Like when you could have one starter who goes long enough, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but who, they don't have a guy who yeah. I would agree with you if they had a guy that could go that long, but even, even Vince Velasquez with his all of a sudden looking like Cy Young ain't going six or seven innings much. Right. He's yeah. But <laughs> it feels like see, but the problem though is then you're short the rest of the days. If you're saying, okay, well, I'm going to hold off Chase Anderson to the fifth day anyway. Well, then you're short a man in the bullpen. Like you, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, well, I mean, if you have a couple of guys, though, who are more suited to be long men than short relievers, then maybe you, then can. you could just say, all right, either more or Anderson will relieve him at yes. whatever they need. Yeah, I think I it can be done. You just have, to, again, you're, as you're mentioning, and this is what made the Rays good last year is that they had so many different arms and style of arms and guys who can go one or two innings out of the bullpen. The Eagle, the, the, I always see Eagles, the Phillies don't are not blessed with that kind of a bullpen. Not many teams are. And so I agree with you. It's not ideal for them, but I think it's better than asking any of those three guys, Howard Anderson or more to go out there and try to give you six or seven consistently. I'll have to see what happens. The Phillies haven't really said their plan uh, yet. Uh, it sounds like last I've, I've heard they're not ready to bring him up yet. So, or at least they're telling us that, right? I mean, the, the, you know, let's be honest. They're not always honest, right? <laughs> not, they don't show their hands. So exactly. we could see Spencer Howard. I would bring him up. I mean, he, he's pitched nine pretty dominant innings in the minor leagues. Uh, I would bring him right up and not waste any of those precious innings that he's going to supposedly have down at AAA. We don't need to We don't need to have him pitching there if, he, if there's nothing more he can do at AAA in my estimation. All right, well, let's, let's talk about something else. Uh, so the last two nights, yes, two in a row, there have been no hitters in Major League Baseball, which which brings the count to six. And I, I probably not a coincidence that uh, are you counting all, the Madison Baumgartner seven? I am not one. counting that okay. one. No, so six but plus. <laughs> the Seattle Mariners no hit twice. Texas Rangers no hit twice. Cleveland Indians no hit twice. Now, Susie, is this just those three teams are really bad, or is there like something going on here? It's the balls. I mean, call me a 2021 MLB ball because I'm a little more dead inside than I used to be. <laughs> wow, that's so melancholy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. That's just that's worse than my, uh, my 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 gun and sledgehammer analogies. You're just so dead inside. <laughs> but doesn't that an annoy you? But not but, being <laughs> not being dead inside. I mean, the the um, number of no hitters doesn't that it, to me that cheapens it. I don't know what's going on here. You know. So let's talk about this dead ball thing, though, Susie. So, like, you really believe that this the changes to the ball are behind this? You know, I don't. I think it's part of it. I think pitchers are just really good, <laughs> but I think it might be part of it. It has to be. I mean, it can't be a coincidence. I, I agree with her, Frank. I, I, I think that the ball is unjuiced <laughs> or it's rejuiced with, and it's dead now inside, and it bothers me. 
the same way all of the runs scored the last two years bothered me, but I was starting to get used to it. Okay, this is baseball now. This is the ball now. Stop changing everything and making me adjust to a, the other end of the spectrum all the time. Can't we find a middle middle ground here? Like, you can't have seven no-hitters in the first two months of a season. Everybody who's ever pitched a no-hitter in the past is like, Spencer Turnbull, are you kidding me? You know, like, come <laughs> on. The, 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 I know that there have been some – some very average pitchers who have thrown no hitters before. I'm not trying to say that, but when you see seven thrown, that just, that to me waters down. the. the well, well, let me, let me, let me run down this for you. Right. So uh, the other night I was watching the, the, the Seattle Mariners get no hit and I'm looking at their lineup. All right. Let me read these batting averages to you. Mm-hmm. 160, 263, 223, 233, 239, 168, 178, 145, 192. I think they're going to get no hit a few more times before this thing's over with. Is Mario Mendoza managing this team? <laughs> Holy cow, that's bad. And they just nope. called up Kalenic, right? Their, their, their top prospect. Correct. He's, he's hitting 160 so far. Uh, your number five hitter is one JP Crawford batting 239. I, I like five hitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but my point is, I mean, that, that, like these are, these are no hitters like in the making, right? I mean, if. <laughs> Yeah, but like, don't you I, think that there? You go through the the annals of MLB history, and there have been some every year. There's a team that's terrible, that can't hit, doesn't do do well, but they don't get no hit multiple times <laughs> in a year. But I it's mean, just those three teams before June. <laughs> yeah, just now, Frank. But like, you know, fast forward two months, I'm, I I feel like there's going to be three more no hitters. There were no hitters on back to back days. That's ridiculous. Now Corey Kluber is a nice pitcher, but. Um, I will say this, the Texas Rangers, they've been hit, uh, no hit twice. I'm just re- going to run through their batting averages for that game. 275, 265, 256, 288. So way better than the other so far, but then 211, 190, 281, 264, 248. Um, yeah, but, but really though, across the game though, these batting averages are down, right? So, which, mm-hmm which it's not just the Rangers. It's not just the Cleveland Indians. It's not just the Seattle Mariners. It's, 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 it's across the board. And um, no, they're actually some, they're doing some tinkering in the Atlantic league, perhaps moving the mound back, hoping for some additional offense. Like Susie, is, is that, is that something you would actually consider? Or do you think that that's going to be something that's an injury risk? If you move the mound back six inches. Okay. So their whole theory is, you know, you know, it'll be easier for hitters but it's just going to be like pitchers aren't going to be used to it. They're going to be off their game. Like, are we even going to get the result that we want to get out of this? So I don't see how it, I just, I don't see it. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't like it. I'm not. How about we just stop screwing with the ball? I mean, how about that? (laughs) Yeah. Why are we screwing with the ball? And then complaining about how we don't like the result. So now let's make another change. I mean, we should have just made no changes. Was Major League Baseball mad at the number of uh, runs that were being scored the last two years? Did they think that that was way too out of whack? Because we may not have liked it as baseball purists, but it did, I think, make baseball a little bit more exciting than it had been. The home runs people like. I mean, I, you know, maybe pitchers now they're were trying complaining. To, they're trying to figure out how to increase offense. I mean, I, I will say this is... It's really interesting when you have MLB owning the company that makes the baseballs, right? So that, 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 that just seems like the conflict of interest, right? Like they, it, I don't yeah, know. They would think no foul play, uh, no pun intended uh, there, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, that's, 
I kind of liked it better when there was this third party that was responsible for making the baseballs, like I, like without the influence. I, I, I don't know. Is that a conflict of interest, Susie? I am like the conspiracy theory wheels are like turning right now. So I'm probably going to go on some like deep dive later on today. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's to me, it's fishy. And they really said that like they, they, they wanted to have more control over the production of the baseball. Like they, that's that was literally awesome. the reason for buying it. You know? Great. Now they had they had purchased. What was it? They purchased Majestic so that they could sell the rights to uh, Nike or something <laughs> like that. Like so. They've been buying up. Uh, they've been buying up a lot of companies lately. So, Frank, remember when you when you ask if Major League Baseball is engaging in a conflict of interest here, do remember this is the same organization that basically duffel bagged several million dollars to people to get dirt on Alex Rodriguez, which turned out to be true. <laughs> but the process by which they ascertained their information was like your local street, like <laughs> like you know, going out and and getting uh, getting it dark money and dark information so like they had no problem doing that so i'm, I'm i put nothing past mlb <laughs> for conflicts of interest well well we'll see what happens with this baseball with what they do with the mounds like supposedly this this will be playing its way out in the atlantic league coming up this summer uh now where there is a lot of offense if you look no further than anaheim california where one Pitcher is leading the league in home runs at the moment and, and runs batted in too, I believe. Uh, what is Shohei Otani, Jeff? Like, is this my favorite this is... player right now? That's what he is. I freaking love it. I, we were talking about it on the last podcast. I, I think if he, it's a travesty that he has to play on the West Coast for a team that, even in a big market like LA, does not get the coverage. If he could, if he was playing in the East Coast, now, unfortunately, because he's not a positional player uh, when he's not pitching, he probably couldn't play for the Phillies or, uh, you know, a national league team here. He'd have to be a Red Sox or a Yankee. So we would hate him automatically, but nonetheless, we'd get to watch him a lot more. And I believe he'd be marketed a whole lot better. I mean, he's almost got the Mike Trout thing where he's like this cool story that just doesn't get enough. Of he'd be the store. He would be the talk of sports world. If you were out here, on the East. I stay up late to watch the MLB network games when he's on the other night, he hit his 13th home run. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was at his eyes, right? He <laughs> uppercutted it into the right field seats like Vlad Guerrero senior, except from the left side. I was amazed. And I'm like, this guy is as close to Babe Ruth as we would ever get. He's got a 2.1 OERA, which is a little, it's cool. It's great. I'm not taking anything away from him. He doesn't usually go, into the fifth or the sixth inning of his starts. He had a blister early on. He doesn't have a ton of innings, but he's throwing 100 miles per hour and he's hitting home runs at a record pace. Uh, he's he's awesome. It's the greatest story that nobody's really talking about enough. 40 games. I, yeah, good. I was going to say, I got to see him in real life on Sunday at the That's game. Right. I saw him hit that home run because um, uh, I was up at Fenway. It was unreal. I'm like, I'm so happy that I can be witnessing this with my eyes. Was really it as, as amazing in, I'm sorry. It was an amazing in person. Just like he's, he's huge, right? Like he's this enormous guy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I, I was, it was, so, and I brought my like real camera too. So I could actually like zoom in a lot and like get like a really good look. This is so freaking cool. Um, <laughs> I loved it. Um, Red Sox fans did not love it as much, but I'm like, get over it. We are like witnessing history before our eyes. 
Yeah, and it comes at a good comes at a good time, Frank. Obviously, with Mike Trout out six to eight weeks, which I you know I hate to see. Well, here's that, the thing, but... though. Like with Mike Trout out, he, he lost his protection in the lineup. Like, is he going to be able to keep this up, or are teams just going to say, "All right, well, it's Otani. I'll just, uh, you I'll know, just what? walk him." He, he, the way he swings, Frank. I'm not sure that like his success is dependent on who's in front or behind it. Maybe the RBIs. I mean, the kid having behind him now is done. Is the guy that they're keeping in place of Albert Pujols, right? Jared Walsh, who's had a, a really yeah. nice start. I mean, he does have Walsh guys behind him and Rendon, of course. Rendon I mean, it's not, and... They're not, they're not too shabby, but right. But Upton. I, you're more worried about Mike Trout. <laughs> I think than, yeah, than, uh, absolutely. than absolutely. any of those guys. No, no, no disrespect to any of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, he's, he's been amazing. Um, and I just, I hope, I hope it like, I, I, I you know, it's like typical angels. They stink but their individual players are really good and have these, these kind of amazing years. So I just hope people get a chance to see him a little more because he's really phenomenal. I love looking at these box scores. Cause like, you know, he starts the game as his last, his last start, he started the game as the pitcher, mm-hmm. right? So after four and two thirds, he moves to right field. It's amazing. <laughs> he's relieved by Tony Watson, former, you know, the, the almost, the almost <laughs> Philly, right? And then, uh, then eventually he was pinch hit for by Phil Gosselin. <laughs> like, it's just really funny. Like that, that just uh, brings it all home right yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, really, really. But it's just fascinating that you that, that your pitcher can start bat second and then trot out to right field afterward, right? Because it, it's just it's it's uh, it's fascinating uh-huh. how they have to play these play these games. I mean, he just, he's not giving you a lot of innings uh, when he takes the mound, but. Um, they, they don't seem to really worry about him DHing on the days he's not pitching. Like, I, I feel like in the beginning it was like, well, you, you know, obviously you can't, you can't DH in the day after he pitches, but he's doing it. I think a couple of times this year, he has actually DHed the day he's pitched, which is freaking amazing. Can you right? do that? I don't even like, I, I yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he was DHing the day. He was he, I think they have to move him to a position afterwards, right? You can't move him to DH after you pitch, right? So you have to be listed as the pitcher. And then you can't become the DH. So yeah, it's, it's, it's there's a lot of trickiness here. Replace him twice in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every other pitcher after him ends up in the lineup. <laughs> like <'cause laughs> you're not using your designated hitter. Definitely right. some fascinating stuff. But but let's just let's just talk for a second then about his long term future. Like I, he can't keep up both forever, right? I mean, this is probably a short thing uh, before they finally just say, "All right, you're our right fielder, or you're our designated." Hitter. Like Susie, is he is he is this like? a short-term thing that's just not going to work long-term. What do you think? I mean, you got to try it for as long as you can. Um, I would hope to see it long-term, but how can you pick one or the other? How can you do that? Yeah, like, I, what I, is I, he I, better I, I at? Bet. He's a left-hander who throws 100 miles per hour, and he's leading <laughs> the, the, uh, the majors in home runs. So which one do you go with? I just say you make him your closer. And then, at, then, then, you know, <laughs> after the eighth inning, you just have him warm up on the uh, side and then just move to the mound and get the last few outs. Every, you, could, you know what, you, Frank, that's actually not a bad idea because already he has struggled the last two years, staying healthy from a pitching standpoint. He's had some blisters. He doesn't go usually more than four or five innings. He's lost some velocity in some of his occasions where he's gone into deeper in the innings. So you might be onto something. Not a bad idea. But do you worry about him getting hurt though with doing both both sides of the game? Like I think that's that's the big worry for a lot of people that you that that you know the more you're doing baseball related activities and he's doing a lot more than every other player, won't he get hurt? It's like, yeah, but it's also not my problem. <laughs> you know, he's not a Philly, that's for the Angels to figure out. You know, I'm just gonna sit here and enjoy 
like I feel like it's a gift to us. Um, I know that sounds a little ridiculous, but it is to be able to see a player. I mean, all of us who are baseball fans grow up hearing about the legendary Babe Ruth and his ability to be a dominant pitcher and hitter, right? And we've never seen anything like I was excited about the freaking Reds reliever who could who could get in there. And what was his name? Uh, he's hurt right now. Uh, Michael Michael Lorenzen. That's who you were thinking. Michael Lorenzen. That's the one. Yeah. I mean, uh, he did a moonshot too uh, off of uh, somebody out of the Phillies bullpen last year. I'm like, hey, this guy's actually you know hitting home runs and he's a relief pitcher and they'll put him in there to pinch hit. Every once in a while. So you can imagine my Who's that guy for the Cubs that uh, Brooks Kleschnick. Does that sound right? Do you remember him? Like, I think they, that was the last time they tried to have him. Kleschnick. Like, I feel like he's I feel like he was like the last one that they really tried to do to make a, a two way player. And it just I think in the end, he wasn't good at either. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, um, I don't know. Like the only other thing I get excited about was um, who's the the, the the Phillies used to have this guy in the minors who could throw both left handed and right hand. What was the name? Venditti? Pat Venditti? Yeah. Pat, Pat, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that I thought was they really never cool. Called, they never called him up. So no. I, that, that, I really would I guess he couldn't get that. anybody out as a right-hander or a left-hander. I, I feel like he was in the majors last year, though. Um, I think he was. Yeah, actually, one of my favorite things ever was when, when the newspaper headline, when he made his debut, said, Amphibious Pitcher Makes His Debut <laughs> Instead of Ambidextrous. So here's the thing. Here's, here's what I look forward to maybe a little bit of a spawning of our evolution. Maybe there are more players that are willing to do this. And then as much of a, as much as I've resisted the DH in the national league, I know it's inevitable. I know it's going to happen. So as much as I hate it, might as well speed it up so that we could get a player like Shohei Otani here, you know? Now here's the thing. Will this change how draft picks are? Let me ask it this way. Will players that have been both ways in college, like I'll give you just two examples. Like, Adam Hastley pitched when he wasn't hitting, right? And he, and he was a heck of a hitter at, at Virginia. Uh, Brett Myers used to play first base and hit home runs when he wasn't pitching, like when he, when he was uh, drafted by the Phillies. I think he was drafted out of high school. Will teams be more open-minded to letting players be two-way players now? You covered the minor leagues for a long time, so you've seen like kind of how, how guys are getting developed now. I mean, are you seeing that more? I mean, we didn't really see that in Hartford, but I mean, I mean, if guys are doing this in college, then, you know, maybe, you know, if we do have the universal DH, then, uh, you know, they would be more open to exploring it, you know, during these formative years where they're figuring it all out. So maybe in the coming years, we will see more and that would be really fun. And let's face it. Here's what I think. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say colleges are going the DH route, right? So if somebody is hitting and pitching, that means they're probably good at both, right? Yes. So here, here's what is going to decide whether this becomes a real thing or not. It's the same thing that decides everything in sports. Tell me the contract that Shohei Otani is going to get when he's about to get his next. Does he get paid way more than the average superstar because he can do both? Because if he is, then every single pitcher who's got an ounce of athleticism is going to be like, hey, I can do this too. And if I can make $550 million over 10 to 12 years because I can hit and pitch, then I'm going to go back to the cages and really work on this. And that's what you'll see start to change, you know, sort of in the way this wasn't financially driven, but obviously when Steph Curry came into the NBA and just started balling out as a three point shooter and hitting all these, and then everybody just wanted to be a three point shooter. And then 
that's where the money is. You're going to make, you're going to, you're a six foot 10 guy who would normally be in the 1990s, a back to your basket type player. Now you're shooting threes like Anthony Davis, right? Because you know, that's where the game's going. That's where the money's going. So baseball, it'll be determined by whether, how fast the DH gets to the national league and how much money teams are going to be willing to pay a guy or a, you know, a person that can pitch, be a dominant pitcher and a dominant hitter. By the way, just, just, just kind of in closing, you mentioned Albert Pujols. Uh, he factored into this year because the DH is not available for him right now. Right. Uh, so he ends up getting uh, released by the, the Los Angeles Angels. He's a Dodger. Just, just wondering your thoughts on that. Like, cause you know, he's, he's, uh, it's kind of, kind of sad that that long contract ended that way. Right. Yeah. You know, I think, I don't know if this will end up being a cautionary tale about these contracts because they seem to be the norm now, the 10, 12, 13 year mm-hmm. contracts, but you think about what Pujols, you think about Miguel Caprera, what he is now compared to when he signed the contract. And then you kind of think about guys who are signing them now, like Bryce Harper, like Tatis Jr., um, you know, or Arenado, like in eight years, are they really, are they going to be all be a bunch of Albert Pujols's where they're like trying to hang on as a DH for a team? I don't know. It, it is sad because Albert was probably top three baseball player that I've seen in my lifetime, you know, top four. Um, I don't know. I'd have to go back to like, you know, when I started watching ball in the, in the early eighties, but he's, he's, his numbers are undeniable. And it is a little bit, it's almost like Michael Jordan with the wizards, right? Like, like what are we doing here? Just, just a reminder that the Phillies went five years on Ryan Howard when Pujols got 10. Imagine if mm-hmm. he had, if, if, if Ryan oh Howard got God. a 10 year deal, this would be year 10. So oh, man, I actually credit Ruben Amaro jr. We're making this one a little bit shorter. So uh, even though he paid a lot of money, you know, just chalk it up to him earning it before he got hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the Phillies, the Phillies, if, if he had the open market and was healthy, well, that that things might have been very, very different in many, many more years. And this 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 would have been really tough to swallow. Right. <laughs> it was tough to swallow at the end anyway. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. this would have been even even more difficult to swallow. So, well, the game, the games are changing. I feel like we, we've, we've talked about a lot and uh, just real fast on the Phillies. What's your outlook for this weekend against the Boston Red Sox? Can the Phillies hang in there and be respectable? Or is this, is it, are we going to be ta- chatting next week? And this is, this is going to be a disastrous week for the Phillies. I personally have just been waiting for the Red Sox to totally fall apart. Uh, Cause I didn't think they were going to be good this year. Uh, I've been a little wrong, so maybe this is the weekend that happens, but I feel like it's probably not. What is it? Clubber Lang said to the, the press conference in, in Rocky three prediction pain. That's, that's <laughs> kind of what I see for the Phillies. But like I said, they're so unpredictable. You could see him winning two out of three and then being like, Oh, I'm back on the Phillies bandwagon again. And they then go one and know, three against go the, Marlins, the Marlins. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, whatever happens, we'll hopefully talk about it soon. For the Powder Blue Podcast, Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Susie Hunter, we will catch you next time.